everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. This is Damon. I got Kyle here with me today, and we have a very special guest to help us with another dramatic adaptation and reading of the Bible. We wanted to bring back Dr. Agnes. Welcome back, Dr. Agnes. Hello. Glad to be back. So this past Sunday, Pastor Barry introed our new series on Facing Giants with a very traditional, typical story on Facing a Giant, the story of David and Goliath. So kind of in the middle of service, I was texting Dr. Agnes and saying, hey, I think it's time to bring back our dramatic adaptation. Wait, like wait, 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 last wait. You, you text during service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I texted her. But she didn't. <laughs> I didn't respond. She didn't oh, respond. Okay, I did not hey, respond. Good. She good. didn't respond. And she didn't even actually look at it until way later, until <laughs> even after Catalyst Cup, which was an awesome event. But, okay, you know, I, kind of patting Kyle on the back a little right, bit. That's right. Hey, at least it was church related. Okay. That's good. Yes, it was church related because I was trying to prep for the podcast. But uh, she didn't look at it until even after Catalyst Cup when I came up to her and said, So what did you think about my text? And she said, She didn't even look at it yet. So. She did agree to come back, and uh, Brett did not want to be on this episode because I guess he didn't have that much fun last time. So today we decided we'll torture Kyle a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. Wow, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> so Pastor Barry had mentioned a little bit about the story David and Goliath, and we thought it was the perfect opportunity for us to do our dramatic reading of the whole story. So if you're not as familiar with the whole story, we thought we would do it now. So... We will now do our presentation of an adaptation of David and Goliath, brought to you by the Catalyst Bible Hour. Now, the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damon. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle, array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And now, coming from the red corner, the champion standing at over six cubits. Yes, that's over nine feet tall. The champion, Goliath from Gath wearing a bronze helmet on his head and clothed with scale armor which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. Yes, that's over 15 pounds just for the head of the spear. <laughs> And his shield was so big that he had to have someone else carry it for him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out to draw up this battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you are just the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be ours. And obviously you will be our servants because no man can stand against me, let alone you servants of Saul. I am the champion. I am Goliath. And I will defeat any man that you send my way. I defy the ranks of Israel Give me a fighter that is worthy of me. 
which you do not have. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, the second to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for forty days and took his stand. Then Jesse said to David his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these two ten loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley. <laughs> For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Wow, so- Jesse sounds a lot like the narrator. <laughs> <laughs> so David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have Have you seen seen this man man who's coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his daughter's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for them. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him, for your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, but you are youth. 
Well, he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, uh, You sound kind of Italian. I mean, uh, <laughs> your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with a shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disclaimed him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I just a dog that you come to me with sticks? Who do you think you are? I am the great champion, Goliath. Do you smell what Goliath is cooking? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I curse you by my gods! (laughs) The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. I am the champion. You have no chance against me. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. Seriously, I'm going to cut your head off. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Then it happened, when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. (sighs) Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Ekron. 
And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sharam, even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Then David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapons in his tent. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this dramatic presentation of the story of David and Goliath. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. We made it through. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wasn't that the Honda dealer commercial music? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. So that was fun. Well, yes. we hope you had fun. We ha- we had fun. We always have fun doing that. That's why we always like to bring Dr. Agnes on, uh, because she's a fun person, and we like we. It, it's fun having her on the podcast to do our dramatic presentations. I think next time we might need to bring Ollie on to help us. I think us. so. I think so. I think Kyle, you started getting into it. I did. Yeah. It, I was a little uh, intimidated when we started, <laughs> but then I thought, you know, why not? <laughs> See, we're gonna loosen you up some more, Kyle. I know. I know. I'm not, I've never, I've never been in a drama before, so it's just not my thing. That's okay. By the, the, in a few years, you'll be <laughs> just like everyone else. Didn't you do some funny skit though at some event? Oh yeah. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, that's, that's different. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was, that, that Something was, having to do with pants on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that was like pre choreographed and stuff. So spontaneous, a oh. little, little different. Okay. okay. And, and we're actually talking about the bible so i mean like (laughs) how far can i go that's why we said it's a dramatic adaptation we didn't say that it was going to be word for word reading of it right okay so we are just starting off our new series on facing giants so i thought it would be appropriate for us to one read the story but then also talk a little bit about uh our experiences of facing giants and how how we feel like the lord has been leading us to to deal with some of the different giants in our lives uh, so I, I just wanted to throw it out there. Have you guys ever experienced a time where you felt like you had to face a giant in your life? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of them. How about you, Agnes? Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that I face a lot, especially as a medical professional, is is kind of a fear of death, like premature death or things happening to me in my health and, and things like that. So it's interesting. Um, I did actually have an experience when I was in college and I think that experience was really scary for me, but it also helped me to, um, realize what my calling was, um, in my profession. So, so anyway, I was on campus, um, during my undergraduate years at Stanford and I was biking on campus because everybody bikes on campus. And I think I must've been in a rush because normally I look both ways when I get to an intersection, like a stop sign, but that day I didn't. And I didn't look to see if there were any cars uh, going my way. But so I just crossed the intersection. When I did that, I got hit by a car on my bike. Um, The car actually hit my left leg and I, I went flying into the street, um, And I remember thinking, I couldn't move my leg. I didn't lose consciousness. I couldn't move my leg. And then all I was thinking was, where was my shoe? I was, I think I was in literal shock. And I think I I didn't even realize like what had happened. And the man came out of his car and just looked down at me and said, I'm calling 911. And so 
I, I, I was basically shaking. I was afraid. The, it was a whirlwind. The ambulance guys came, the EMTs, and they put me on a gurney. They shouted at me not to move my neck, and I was wheeled over to the hospital, which was just the, the medical center right, right next door. But I remember when I got to the medical center, I was so afraid, and I was in the hallway on a gurney by myself, and they asked me to give them a urine sample. Um, you mean they asked you to pee? Yes, they asked okay. me to pee. Sorry, sorry. Shouldn't be using medical terms. Te- technical terms. <laughs> they asked Just trying me, to keep it real, you know. Right. They asked me to pee because usually in trauma situations, you want to make sure there's no internal bleeding. So they're checking for blood in the urine. And I couldn't pee. I really could not pee. I think I was still shaking. I just didn't, I, I wasn't thinking. I was scared. I, I felt like I was alone there. Um, and so, because I was living on campus, so there was no family around or anything. I didn't call anybody. It was so sudden. And so I couldn't go. And that freaked me out even more. I thought, oh my gosh, I've never been able to, like, I've never not been able to pee, right? So I was just sitting there, and I don't even remember if I was praying or not, but there was this lady, and I don't know who she is. To this day, I I pray that someday I'll be able to meet her, but this lady came to the gurney, bed, like my, my bedside, and uh, she just looked down at me, and she was really tender and caring, and she put her hand on my shoulder, and she said to me, don't worry, we're going to take really good care of you. You will be okay. And when she said that, I just, I think peace came over me, and I relaxed, my body completely relaxed, and then I, I was able to pee. And she didn't say who she was, and then she just, you know, she left, and I never saw her again. But I remember that when that happened and I had peace and the fear left, I felt like, wow, I was facing the fear. Because I think I realized later on that I was afraid that something really bad had happened, that maybe I was going to die or I had, I almost died. And so I just couldn't even think. I was in shock. My whole body was in shock. But when she did that, Really, she made me um, realize, and and the Lord helped me realize that it really isn't about um, the medicine necessarily, but the healing comes from the compassion, and that's what Jesus had—the compassion. Mm-hmm. But I had to, and so so that's kind of that was my um, like perspective um, going on when I became a doctor and stuff like that. And that's how I tried to see people just through that lens of mm-hmm. just caring and connecting through a human connection. Um, but I had to kind of face that in order for me to be able to learn that lesson. But that was scary. Um, that was scary because I really did think I was going to die. But but then the Lord turned it into good, and I got to drive a golf cart around campus <laughs> that whole semester, and, and, and it was kind of fun. So, yeah. Was that something that you realized – in the moment, or was that something like later when you look back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, I felt the compassion, and that's kind of what I want to bring into my own practice? Or was it like in the moment, like, oh, this is really what is leading to my healing, so I need to do that? No, I don't think I realized in the moment. It it was after, because after I got discharged, and then um, I did have a fracture, but it wasn't bad. And um, I didn't have to get surgery or anything like that. 
then I was kind of reflecting about it. And then I thought, wow, what was the, di- you know, what happened there? Like I couldn't pee. And then I started thinking about it. Wow. Right. Like I couldn't pee. All I was thinking was where was my shoe, you know? And so later I was reflecting and then I guess I actually used that um, for an essay for college. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for later for medical school to apply. So I think something that's cool about your story, it, it just shares a, a little bit about what Pastor Barry was talking about in terms of perspective and mm-hmm. how do we see some of our giants in our lives? Because I think a lot of times we see them and we, it's just something to be afraid of or, oh, sh- can I stand up against that? But in your story, really, when you faced your giant, it was an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself and something about how you wanted to live moving forward and how you wanted to do, to do your practice. So it was actually really an opportunity for you to um, learn in kind of a new skill mm-hmm. to uh, help you later in your job. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't look at our the different obstacles or the little giants in our lives as opportunities. And I think that's something that Pastor Barry kind of pointed out and was also in our story too, you know, when David actually went up against Goliath, one of the things that he said was, I've already faced a lion and a bear. You're just the next thing, right? And in that, he also recognized, well, it wasn't just me facing the lion and the bear. It was my relationship with the Lord and the Lord is with me. He's the one that helped me to defeat the lion and the bear and he can help me defeat you as well. And so I think it's, it's, I'm, I'm wanting to say different words, but it's like, oh, Brandon's going to catch me on some of these ones. So <laughs> I, I'm a lot more self-conscious now, I guess. But um, it's cool. Not super cool. <laughs> it's just cool. It's not super cool. But um, yeah, it's, it's cool to see how your perspective has allowed you to say, wow, this was actually something that I was afraid of, right? B- afraid of dying, get hit by a car. But really what that experience led to was something that shaped how you're doing your whole um, practice as well as making it so that it could be a ministry opportunity too because you're having to show compassion to all of the different patients and people you interact with. I think that's just an awesome story. Yeah, I think too, I think what's amazing and so good is that the Lord, I believe the Lord sent that lady to me at my bedside to help me overcome it, mm-hmm. right? So you know, sometimes we feel like we're alone um, or we have to do it by ourselves, but that's why we have other people and God uses other people, right? Yeah. Are you trying to do a plug for the retreat? No, because, but I thought, you know, that's you know the what? theme that's, of the retreat, we're right? Going Stronger there, huh? together. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, <laughs> we're going to go there next. <laughs> I think it's interesting too, because you had a choice still at that point to trust her, right? Mm-hmm. You had to put trust in what she said oh, and take it in. and and believe it or not. And I think we have that same opportunity with God. Like when he speaks truth into our lives and they don't feel real or they don't feel like they're truth at the moment. But if we hold on to those and believe in those, that's where we actually can overcome giants. And I, I think it's, I, I think your, your story also points out to me that a, a lot of the things that we gain in life are from looking back at our past because in the moment when we're facing giants and we're battling, it's it's sometimes it's just survival mode, right? We're just we gotta persevere, we gotta get through. But it's you didn't you didn't get that that perspective in the moment. Also, you felt it, but you didn't get the perspective of what she was actually kind of passing into you or passing on to you. Um, 
But I think when we look back at our lives, like we've all had a lot of giants that we've defeated. A lot of them at the time, they probably looked big. And now we look back and we're like, oh yeah, those were kind of small. But in the moment it seemed big, but then we can look back and like, oh yeah, that because I faced that and overcame it. Um, now I have this, you know, kind of spoken into me. So I think one of the things that we can kind of take away from this too is in our lives, do we always want to just be looking backwards to learn learn about it or have that perspective? Or is that something that we can look at in in knowing it that this potentially could be something that the Lord is going to use to help us later on, right? Like, is this an opportunity for the Lord to to work in me or to show something to me or to speak a truth into me or to make the truth real, right? Because sometimes for us, we've heard all of these truths and when things are going good, we might not really need them, but it's when things are hard, adversity comes. That's when we really get to see what is inside, right? And so if we're looking at these as opportunities, like what truth is God trying to cement or to seal in me that can come out in this scenario when in the midst of it? I think that might actually help us as we try to go through some of these. Okay, I, I have a random question mm. from your story, and I know other listeners are probably having the same question right now. You were flying through the air when you got hit in the bike. Were you wearing a helmet? No, I yeah, wasn't. This, <laughs> that's what I, I was not. Because this is like the 90s. I'm like, you oh probably, you probably gosh, don't wear helmets, right? I know, helmet. that's what I'm thinking. Like, this is Shoot. in the 90s. That's, you're probably not wearing a helmet. So it's actually really awesome that you didn't even hit your head. Or Yeah. Yeah, yeah that Anyways. is amazing. Because I literally felt when the car hit my leg mm. but yeah i think i'm thinking about it. i don't think i ever wore a, a helmet on campus yeah. i don't think anybody <laughs> did except the professors maybe <laughs> oh. hey, yeah i got i got a i got a statement for you guys so i'll i'll read it and then you guys tell me what you think about it um, you should wear your helmets people just so you know just to clarify <laughs> safety just not not on campus though <laughs> Because nothing bad happens on campus. <laughs> okay. Uh, your future is on the other side of the giant that you're afraid to face. So don't let your giant hide your future. And yes, I did not say this to him before we <laughs> in our pre-broadcast. So this is going to be fresh Thank off the you. dome like we do with Brett. <laughs> I, you know what that reminds me of is is kind of like when you're hiking up a hill or you're walking up and you don't know what the view is on the mm. other side yet, but it's really hard to get up that hill mm. and it can be scary and you don't know what's going to be on the other side. But then when you get finally get to the top, then you can see. So, I mean, kind of reminds me of that, like in order to to get to the, your future, to the other side, you have to you might have to go through adversity or face something you don't want to face. But if you can hang in and do that, then there's something waiting on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) He was here. Okay. So just so so you know, he was opening his mouth and it was like, I was, we were waiting, me and Agnes were waiting for it to come out. He opened his mouth a little and then it, it just froze. (laughs) I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how to phrase what I'm thinking. Because um, sometimes with some of these deep ones, I kind of have to really think about it. Um, you know, for me, that when I think of that um, statement that you made, uh, one of the things that came to mind is really 
a lot of times the first step is the hardest, mm-hmm. right? So when we see the giant or we see the big thing, sometimes it just see, seems so overwhelming that we don't even know where to take the first step or even what to do for the first step to, to overcome it or, or to get by it. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we're kind of paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's really where that statement comes into play because right, then we don't actually get to go into the future that's awaiting for us because we're stuck where we are because we're paralyzed by fear or just being overwhelmed or anxiety or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I, th- and I think that's also where kind of what you shared earlier, that's where we might need some help. You know, we might need help people to help show us like what, what's the first step. I'm kind of lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't, I need someone to help me take that first step, you know? So everybody knows I'm a, I'm a runner, right? And so for me, I do enjoy running, but the hardest part for me is actually getting out the door. Mm. So recently I I feel very fortunate to have a couple of friends that they're training for different things. So they'll call me up and say, Hey, do you want to go, go run? Uh, I'm going to do six miles or eight miles or 10 miles or whatever. Um, do you want to go? And, and so for me, it's like, yes, I want to go because if, if I commit to going with you, then I'm going to get out the door, right? If I know you're going to go with me, then, then I'm going to get out the door where some days for me, it's just that if I'm going by myself and I know that I'm doing it by myself, really that first step is the hardest thing. Even though I know that when I get out the door and when I go for a run, it's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just really hard to make that first step to get out the door. And so I think in in those settings, sometimes it is really good to have someone else there to help encourage, spur us on, and get us out the door. Or for some of us, it's just getting out of bed. <laughs> Especially if you go early. All right, that part I don't have a problem with, getting out of bed. Sometimes so, it's it's more trying to stay in bed so I get a little bit more sleep than I think I would have normally gotten. So would you say one of the ways that we can kind of help is to just grab somebody that we know has gone through it before or just ask for help is that a way to face our giants yeah i mean i think that's something that always gets in the way you know especially as a guy right of is having to humble ourselves to say i need help mm-hmm. right a lot of times it's oh i can do this on my own or i can find i can find that thing on my own and then it takes 20 minutes later and i could have found it like in 30 seconds if I would have asked someone for help at the store. Um, but yeah, sometimes that is that is hard for us to do is to ask for help. But really, that can really accelerate how quickly we can either overcome or get to the other side of that giant. Yeah, it, I agree. And I think it, it actually ties in with uh, Barry's first point from his message that we have to acknowledge our giants. I think that's some of the fear. Not Not that we have to have the fear of or it's the fear of asking for help. It's the fear of if I ask for help, they're going to know what my giant is. You know, then you have to kind of speak it out mm-hmm. and let people know what your weaknesses are or what your struggles are. Yeah, and that, when you were sharing to Damon, um, I was thinking about prayer ministry, right, Agnes? I mean, really, that's what the prayer ministries at our church are about. It's helping people connect with the Lord so he can, like, help them overcome the obstacles. And he he always has a... And sometimes there, there are ways I think the people even know, like, oh, I need to do this. But sometimes they come from a totally different direction, and it's really awesome. But mm-hmm. that's a, a powerful way to face a giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was thinking too, um, even me getting involved in the, in like deliverance ministry, that was interesting because in the beginning I was a, f- I, I always said, I don't want to see demons. I don't want to like, you know, I, I have this picture of Linda Blair's head, you know, like spinning <laughs> in the extra. I was like, I won't, I don't want any part of that or hear any weird voices. And so when they offered deliverance, tra- were you going to say something to you? I was going to say, I don't know if all of our audience knows who Linda Blair is okay, or oh, what, yeah, sorry, what you're sorry, referencing. Sorry. Yeah. We have a, a wide range of ages that listen to this podcast. So I think she's referencing the Exorcist movie. Yeah, which I didn't really see. I just saw like scenes, but like basically it's it's what happens when people are demon possessed, like how they manifest the demons. And so that was in my mind what deliverance was. And so I didn't, when they offered the training, I, I wasn't planning to go and I never thought I would do that. And then, and then actually Henry was like, oh, I'm going to go to this. And I think you want to come with me? He didn't even, cause he said he thought I should do it, but I didn't think so myself. So I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And then when I went to the training, I thought, oh my goodness, it isn't like that. Mm-hmm. It isn't like that at all. It's just like prayer. It's just talking. Right. So if I had not ever gone to that training or been willing to go with Henry, then I wouldn't, I would have missed out. And that is what, like, I feel my calling is this healing, yeah. you know. So Henry was, helped you overcome a giant. He of, did. Of he like did. unbelief. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was cool when you were given the, the picture of going up a hill, like, and you see a giant there. I mean, I, I, you have three choices, right? You can stand still or like you said, Damon, be paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You can turn around and go back down the hill because you don't want to face it. Or you can keep going and push through and try and get to the top. Yeah, sometimes for us, even the hill is the giant, right? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, Eli just did uh, Mount Sack. He ran Mount Sack, and there's oh, yeah. a couple of large hills over there. And then after I asked him how it was, and he was like, oh, yeah, that one hill is it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is, is since I've run Mount Sack, I told him that I would help him to understand how to run that so it doesn't have to feel like such a giant. So I think that's where, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier is when we recognize what our giants are and we ask other people for help, that can actually help us to overcome in a way that we might not have thought about before um, just because we've always been looking at the giant and not just how to overcome it. Yeah, that's really cool. Any last thoughts, guys, as we close up? No. (laughs) i think we've got like three more weeks of this top this series so i'm like we could go a long ways on this topic but i think that's good for today see he was kind of being a party pooper at the beginning but now he's (laughs) now he's bringing the humor at the end we got him we got him hooked that was humor (laughs) you're making fun of me (laughs) yeah because you always make fun of us oh that's my job (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to Engage to Flourish again. Until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.